Need a quick hit of Marketing Smarts inspiration? Here it is. We have lifted portions of our Marketing Smarts episodes for those of you who need a quick jolt of marketing savviness right now. Refer to the description for how to find a longer form version. And with that, here it is. So number one, each of you give good and bad examples of showing up with presence in your careers. So I can go first here. I feel like I already kind of started this off uh, in other points. But I will say um, the first time that I had started a new department at an agency and was selling in brand strategy when it had typically been more of a downstream advertising agency – And I was the person in the room going up against the CEO who was the type of guy that wanted to catch you, right? I mean, you knew it. You could see him coming from a million miles away. He was going to poke, poke, poke into every detail that I said, every case study, every example. Luckily, they were my case studies and my examples, (laughs) and I had all the specifics. But I look back on that moment, and it was the proudest moment in my career because I showed up, yes, confidently, but I was very prepared, and I was very authentic to myself. And what I mean by that is in poking and prodding, I think it's easy to do all the things we've talked about today, get nervous, get yourself all tripped up. Um, Start to worry about what he's thinking about you in the moment, trying to figure out why he's doing this. Is he playing a mind game? All of those types of things. And I remember a critical point when he started to really poke. And and I remember my coworker looking at me with really big eyes (laughs) in the room. And I knew that everyone was feeling the same thing. And I was like, I'm on the hot seat. But you know what? I did this work. I know this work. I should be able to sell it. I was in this particular project I was talking about for over a year. And so I just took a deep deep breath and I calmly answered everything he asked. And when he did poke at me, I just very objectively stated the answer. And at the end of it, he gave us the contract. And I just felt like I had, I mean, I felt like I had run a marathon and (laughs) I I mean, and I've run a marathon, so I actually do know what that feels like. But I mean, it was almost three hour discussion and a lot of it was just me and him going back and forth, but we did it. And, And I think that I look at that moment as proud because I did the right things, the things that we're talking about today, and I did them well in a really tough situation. So that's my good one. My bad one, and I already kind of alluded to this with the the heel situation, is that I used to have really bad rosacea, part of the reason for the facials. But when the rosacea would flare would be when I got in situations where I was uncomfortable, and it was very much of a tell for me. And so I've always been a go-getter in my career, and so I would sign myself up for things sometimes that probably I wasn't very qualified for, and my face would turn really red when I would get up to present. And not to say that doesn't still happen, but it it was a real mind game for me within my own head because I started doing the things that we said not to do, like thinking about, oh gosh, they know I'm nervous because my face is really red in this meeting, and does everyone see it right now, and what are they thinking is wrong with me, and then my face would just get redder, and I it, it just was like a self-fulfilling prophecy of not feeling very confident in the moment. And so I had to work really hard and learn that that was a symptom of not being able to calm myself down and working Mm. through that and knowing that that's what it was, owning it, and then getting out of my own head, honestly, in the situations. But it probably took me three or four solid years in that kind of like middle timeframe of your career where 
you know a lot and sometimes you know too much in one area and not enough in another. So you sort of are fumbling along anyway. I was in it and I was having these situations all the time. And so to all of our points about owning things, you know, showing up the right way, figuring out what your issues are and working on them. That's what I had to do in that situation. And then God bless the makeup client that came along in my career that is very good at covering up. Jane Iredale taught me everything I know about how to cover up rosacea. So I'm good, but those flare-ups don't happen as often anymore. So there you go. Carrie, what about you? Oh, those are so good. You know, I'm I'm thinking about all, you know, starting off so young in the entertainment. Gosh, I think about the presence and and where I started. But I will say there there was a pivotal time when I closed my talent agency and I moved out to Los Angeles and I was um, pursuing a full-time hosting uh, career that lasted very shortly because I'm an entrepreneur and I can't wait for someone to give me a job. But I remember <laughs> when I started Inspired Living, and it was all things for all people. I mean, when you came to the website, it was health and fitness and relationships. And that's why I'm so passionate about helping people become a specialist in their industry. But when I think back to my presence then, um, from the like super glamorous host photos to more of the talking head on camera, like I feel like I've evolved so much in the last 11 years. Just I was a single mom and now I'm I'm a mom at 46 to, to a, a year and a half. And I think as you get older, the facade that you feel you have to put out, I, I, I like to think, starts to fall away. Yeah. And I feel like early on in my career um, or in this company, I was very much that talking head um, because that was what I came from. Like, if you come from corporate, you speak corporate. Like, I was a, a TV host, and I always felt like I had to be perfect and and all the things we've talked about. So I'm such an example of someone who's walked that path, and the veneer is stripped. Like, I literally do not care what someone thinks about me, but I do. I mean, come on, I have a heart. I have a pulse. Like, we do care, but I'm just so committed to serve. And I will say, looking at that version of who I was and who I am today, um, I so much like this version, wrinkles and all, you know, it's just, there's a level of transparency that I bring now that I don't think I could share back then, you know, and I think that just comes from knowing yourself. I've done a ton of personal development and inner growth that I always say what you do on the inside is what you project on the outside. And so it's not as specific because I've been an entrepreneur since I was 23. And so for me, I feel like my presence has always been pretty authentic, but man, have there been like bad hair days and bad decisions? Absolutely. But <laughs> as far as just who I was being, you know, when I launched Inspired Living in 2011, coming off the hosting career and like, I need to be on camera this way versus who I am today and the impact I'm able to have because I don't have that anymore. Uh, I don't know if that, if that makes sense, but that's, that's where I feel the presence has changed. Yeah, and I, I, I agree. I mean, one thing I think you said there that I think is so important is that as we age in our career, I think if you are doing it right and you really want to live in your authentic place, that veneer does start to chip away. And yeah. the best people or the people that I admire most or, or want to be like or whatever are those people that I gravitate to because they've aged well. And I don't mean that from a look perspective. I mean that purely from who they are. And mm -hmm. you can see where they came from. And, you know, you, you understand, again, like everybody makes blunders and all that kind of stuff. But I, I just think it makes it so much easier to connect. And I think there is something that happens as we age where we just feel more comfortable being 
me. Well, I think being uncomfortable. Yeah, 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 well, exactly. yeah that's fair too. <laughs> yeah, and, I, yeah. I, and I think it's the experience of it all, right? It's like when you're first starting out, everything feels like it's such a monumental undertaking. Yes. Like it's like life or death. And I, rem- <laughs> I remember yes. bringing in new people to the company and, you know, and they would make like one little mistake and they thought there were careers coming to the end. I'm like, Pah! I I I I could I have you beat like you know and I, but I think you get to the point where you're like you realize it isn't such a big deal and you and you grow a reputation that kind of like transcends one little thing that happened or you um it, it, and you have a credibility in it that people want to to seek out and you can like live into that and and when you're young you just don't have that yet that's you true. know so right. I think that's kind of as we get older we give ourselves a little bit more of a permission to kind of have some of that off time because we've done so much and we've really filled the bank of like the value that we've added to people. And I think that's totally fine. And that's one of the graces of being able to, uh, to, as you said, to, to age well, um, in both as a, a person and bo- and in your career as well. All right. Your turn, Ann. Oh, it's You're my turn. You're not getting okay. off the hook. All right. I got it. I got it. Okay. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> funny as it sounds, um, I love to debate with groups of people. Like, I don't have a problem speaking up in meetings at all. I just hate standing up in front of people and, and like, talking when, like, all eyes are on me. Mm. Like, that was, like, the hardest thing for me to to adjust to. And it wasn't because I didn't feel confident. And it wasn't because I didn't know my stuff. It's just It was just that, like, natural, like, visceral reaction yeah. to having, you know, everything on me, all the attention on me, all the eyes on me. And so a lot of times when that happens, every, you know, people's body temperature rises, mine actually drops. So I actually get cold and I almost have a shivering, like, you know, it, mm-hmm. it happens. It just happens. Mm-hmm. And so my voice starts to shake and I can feel it and I can hear it. I'm like, my voice is shaking. They think I'm really nervous. I'm not, though. I'm like, I'm okay. I'm like, I'm confident. I'm, yes, I'm standing in front of people, but I've already did my breathing. I'm relaxed. I'm like, I know what I'm talking about. Why is my voice shaking? And there's absolutely nothing I can do about it. So this happened to me actually um, when I went and I did um, the TEDx auditions. Um, because again, not only am I scared about like speaking in in front of people in that way. I've, obviously, I've gotten over it. I do a lot of speaking now, um, but um, I hate memorizing stuff. Yeah. So like the whole idea of like TEDx or TED in general, where you're supposed to memorize something for like 15 minutes, and you have very minimal slides. I'm like terrified me to death. Even though I was little, I played the violin, you're supposed to memorize all the music. I refused. I refused. And my, my instructor said, when I go into competition, he'd be like, it would really look better if you memorize the music. I'm like, I don't care because I don't want to get lost in, you know, not know where I'm at. And then, you know, like, no, I was just terrified of it. So this was my, like, the most scariest thing I ever had to do. I, I But I rehearsed it. I practiced it. I knew my stuff. I had my stories. I was ready to go. I got in my room, in the room, all dressed out in my red pants because my red pants are my power confident pants. My red lipstick because that's my like the the look I have. I have my comfortable shoes on, although they're still stylish because I knew I was gonna be standing and I didn't want to be all wobbly and on my three inch heels and stuff like that. So I was all prepared, and my voice starts shaking. I'm like, oh man. I'm like, I, I said more words than that, but we're trying to keep this, you know from the explicit like e thing. <laughs> but um, I was like, I can't believe it. My voice is shaking. I'm like. 
But I just I had powered through. I delivered it. I I I I mean, and I kept like the um the whole emotion behind it. I and I didn't let it face me. And I was so proud of myself getting done with that that even though my voice was shaking, I know I delivered my message. Um, but I was still like, why does that happen? So obviously, I've been di- kind of diagnosing that from you know from that point on. But um, I was that was my, that was probably my good one. That was like where I felt like. I showed up even though I had that little glitch. I kept on, mm-hmm. I kept on moving. So I would say the one that I didn't show up well, and I think this is a lesson um, for folks. And um, it, it's going to sound like we're kind of talking out both sides of our mouths, but I think it's really important to say. When I was, I went to a meeting, and um, our my boss's boss was in um, from out of town, and she actually lives in like a totally different country. So all of our conversations with her are generally for email or through our boss. And I mean, she showed up like once a quarter and she was intense. She was a very intense person. And she called a very early meeting, like seven o'clock in the morning. Right. And I usually got to work around nine. Okay, so I'm already kind of out of my schedule. I didn't get my workout in the morning. And of course, she comes in the first hour. She's like, oh, I need my snacks. Can we go down to the cafeteria and get our snacks? So we spend the first hour just saying hi, getting all of her snacks and this and that. And I'm like, I'm already annoyed. Okay, so I'm already annoyed. I had to be there at seven. And and, and you and I was already going like I think my husband was traveling. I mean, I was it was just a lot going on that week. And when she started to engage with us and we had our presentation and I, and I started um, doing my piece and stuff like that, um, I was realizing that there was some like she was looking at me kind of strange. I'm like, what is going on? Um, but I kept on going. And I kept on going. And I come to find out that um, from somebody who told me who was in the meeting, she's like, you just look pissed off the whole entire time, <laughs> just pissed off the whole entire time. And I was like, well, I kind of was and I was kind of already in a bad place to begin with. Well, that being my only interaction with her, she took that that that's who I am, and she classified me as an unhappy person. And you can't uh, promote unhappy people at P&G, all right? It just doesn't happen. So I just <laughs> spent the next eight months basically tell, you know, convincing her that I was actually a happy person. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I say that so you guys understand that it, there is sometimes consequences if you are not really conscientiously thinking about your presence and how you're showing up. And even though we all are human, we all have bad days, people will judge us differently based on how well that they're going to accept that about you. All right. Mm-hmm. So you need so to know true. your audience, yep. right? You need to know who you're talking to. And even if you're having a bad day or even if things aren't quite right or even if you're pissed off, you got to figure out how to like put that down and bring up and evoke Suck it up. Yeah. yeah and evoke that and evoke that strength because it could be a big pivotal moment like yeah. you know right yeah. and so um that was the one that didn't go so well or a non-pivotal moment that turned into one right and just didn't even internalize yeah and that i didn't even realize and i was like well that kind of you know is bad for me <laughs> <laughs> all right so number 2 here in the trenches is i have a tremendously hard time getting up in front of people and tend to psych myself out how do i get better so to the point that Ann just made, which is why I jumped right into this question, mm-hmm. you really do have to get really good at the plan we've outlined and the things that you need to build in your presence and that you action against consistently every time, even when you're in a bad mood, all of those types of things. And if you build these skills, you will be able to turn it on when you need to. And mm-hmm. so- The first thing I guess I should really say is know that you can get better. 
Uh, I've seen so many young people that I've coached over the years and, and they look at, you know, and to the earlier point made about, you know, you don't want to be put up on a pedestal, but you do that when you're younger and you're earlier in your career. And you look at people and you think, I'm never going to be that. Right. And so I think that that can lead to paralysis right from the beginning. And then on top of it, if you're not in situations where you are presenting regularly, it can be hard to build your presence very quickly. And so, first of all, you can get better. You absolutely can get better. You have to learn to live in the nuances of what we've talked about today and how to learn your triggers and identify them and stop them when they start and all the things that we've talked about. But If you do keep doing it and then you keep elevating the situations you do it in, you automatically just get better at it. And then your presence becomes the things we've talked about around authenticity and you've been around the block and you have things to pull from. You've been doing it all these years. You can't just cop out. And I guess like I've seen that too, right? Where people just say, I'm not good at this. I don't like being in front of people. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm going to opt out of that. And if you opt out of that, you're opting out of the opportunities in your career. Because if you can't get better at this, if you can't show up with presence, you will reach a point in your career and go no further. It, it just It just is what it is. And so I think for those people out there that are saying, I have a hard time, We've talked so much on this podcast about breaking it down and, you know, tackling one thing at a time and doing something every day. I mean, all those habits apply in addition to the steps that we have outlined here that are more of the, you know, really tried and true ways to show up with with presence. And so um, I guess I, I just, you know. I think it's kind of foolproof if you follow what we've talked about today and then you just keep doing it, you'll get better. Carrie, thoughts, you know. Yes, yes, so many. So Brene Brown <laughs> uh, talks about embracing the suck. And <laughs> yep. I love it so much because when you do anything for the first time, you have this grandiose vision of how well it's going to go and how amazing it's going to be. And then you get up to the ledge and you're like, oh my gosh, how am I <laughs> How am I going to do this? So true. And so if you're, if you're someone that struggles with getting on stage or getting on camera or whatever – you know what, you know, you know what the key is to anyone's success story. And I have interviewed millionaires and billionaires and celebrities. It is the willingness to get uncomfortable to achieve a desired result. Yep. 100%. So look, you want to make an impact. You want to build a personal brand. You want to make a, you know, a seven, eight figure business, whatever your desire is. Look, it all comes down to you being willing to get uncomfortable every day. Video is a muscle. Mm -hmm. The more you use it, the easier it gets. When I used to get, I've always been comfortable on, on stage thankfully, but I would go down rabbit holes where I would totally forget what I was saying. And I was like, holy crap, what am I going to do? And so I learned how to structure my talks. Mm -hmm. I learned how to give myself, I would never memorize. I have bullet points. It's what I teach our clients today. Like in the minute I had that structure, it then gave me more confidence in how I was going to deliver the content that I wanted to. So like, please don't look at anyone and just say that they're born with it. Like most people Mm -hmm. are trained for it. Olympic athletes don't become, they're not out of the womb and become Olympic athletes. They train and they dedicate themselves. So if you really want a desired result, you have to be willing to do the work, embrace the suck, be more committed to serving people than being perfect and, and just keep doing it. I mean, the more you do anything, the better you get. 
Yeah, Can I, you tell I'm passionate about that topic? No, uh-huh. not at yeah. all. Not at uh, all. Well, I think it's excellent. I think it's excellent, excellent advice. And I think I, <laughs> and I'm one of the examples of somebody who's been able to uh, persevere despite really not liking it to begin with. And now, though, I found two ways to be able to to really cope and really show up well. And one is I visualize everything. So, and I've talked about this before, is like Michael Phelps, I mean, he is like the expert in visualization. He visualizes every single part of his swim from the point of like going off the block to the point of um, actually touching to the wall. He knows every single segment of his swim, how he feels, what, you know, what happens when somebody's like in competition with him, um, if he's feeling tired, if he went out too fast, like he knows every single part. And that's what I do for every single engagement that I have that I anticipate going to have some sort of anxiety and going into. And this happens days in advance where I, I, I think about how do I want to show up? What do I want people to get from me? What are, and I do the exact same thing. It's like, what are my bullets? So if I totally lose my place, yep. what's my message track? And what are the points that I want somebody to take away if I mm-hmm. forget the whole entire thing? And that's how I also structure all of my talks. So I think that's a really, really fantastic example. Uh, so th- the visualization is one thing. The other thing that I think I find really helps and this is kind of counterintuitive um, because when you get on stage or you get in front of a camera or you're in a meeting, sometimes you you tend to like shrink in. Like mm-hmm. you try to like push everybody else away and you kind of shrink in. I do exactly the opposite. I open up and I let everybody in because what I find, because I'm an energy woo-woo person too, is that when I can pull other people's energy, I can then embrace that within myself and then I can be with people. And that's how I think about it when I'm in, I'm in front of people or I'm in front of cameras like, okay, I just want to be with this person. I just want, I'm just, we're just mm-hmm. all humans and we're just being with each other and we're just having a conversation. And that tends to bring my energy level down. But I think you brought up a really excellent point, April, in that you can't avoid it. And if you want to be able to do well and be successful in your careers, in just about any career nowadays, you have to feel confident um, in front of people, whatever that situation looks like. And actually, you know, we had a potential client um, who, you know, was just starting a new business. And we basically told him, hey, these are all the things you're going to have to do. You're going to have to network. You're going to have to go to these events. You're going to have to like share what you do. And he basically came back and said, you know, that might work for 99% of people. That's not going to work for me. I don't want to go do that. I don't, I just don't feel like I can do that. And we're like, well, then I don't think we can help you because this is actually something that's so critical and so fundamental Mm -hmm. to your success that if you're not willing to go there, we can't play around it. Like we can't like, you know, make it all this, like make up for the fact that you're not willing to go do that. And what's important to that. And there's a reason why it works for 99% of other people. Yeah. (laughs) So you're not going to be the 1% anomaly that's going to be able to do it by not being able to do this. So um, yeah, you can't, you can't avoid it. You just can't. (laughs) Yes. It's like the people who say, you know what, I I, video's not for me. I'm like, okay, well, that's where everyone is right now. So you're, you're going to have a really tough time growing your business. And, but I get it. You know, it's all fear. Everything is fear or love, right? So it's fear and we we're human. That's okay. But I, I say all the time that confidence comes from doing, not thinking, you know, we take these online webinars or we listen to a podcast and we get all excited we have all these new tools, but then we don't actually integrate and implement. Yep. So like you want to get good at something, get yourself on camera, do a video every single day, mm-hmm. you know, book speaking engagements do. I mean, when we can, right. It's like, get on the bike every day. If you want to learn how to ride it, don't just sit at the bike or meditate around the bike or like see yourself on the bike. Like you do have to get on it and ride it. 
Right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Good analogies all the way through that one. I feel like, <laughs> um, and and this I think leads well into our our final in the trenches question, which is I feel like so many people are putting on a show and it feels inauthentic. I don't want to be like that. What do I do? And I think we have talked. It's a good culmination of our discussion, I would say, because we've talked about the fact that. If you are actually good at this and you're striving to be good at having a presence and the right presence, you do work at it all the time. Like, you know, you both Mm -hmm. just said, Michael Phelps or getting on the bike or whatever the case might be. You're constantly practicing and working at it. And I think those people that feel so inauthentic, number one, I think they probably got bad advice at some point in their (laughs) career. But number two, their belief is that they have to do all the things we said you shouldn't act a certain way, be perfect, talk the way that other people in this role talk, mimic other folks that they've seen over the years. You know, all those things that I think just become really bad habits. And coming from agency life, we actually had a ton of this because Mm – You want to be the biggest personality in the room. And a lot of people believe that that's the way to get a promotion or Mm -hmm. lead the charge or get people excited, all of those types of things. But really, and I've seen so many of them, I kind of started using the term caricature. These people became caricatures of themselves in the different situations. And so taking a step back and watching that over the course of my career and internalizing this question as it came through, I thought... It's because those people reached a point where they thought they were really good at it, and then they just stopped. Mm. And then it became a dog and pony, song and dance, all those different references, and it was not at all authentic to who they were. So you had your stage presence, and then you had what everybody else saw when you were not on the stage, and it just provided a complete disconnect. And so I think you've heard us talk a lot and given individual examples over the course of this conversation today about how... We knew the things we weren't good at. We weren't going to just opt out and say, I'm not going to get better. You know, there's varying degrees on this conversation about, well, I was always comfortable on stage or I always like getting up in front of people. I didn't, but we've all worked through it. And I think we all feel good about what we present out there in the world today. And we continue to put ourselves out there and build ourselves and do those bigger, more uncomfortable things, be uncomfortable every day, all of that stuff, because we believe that there's a reason we're in these situations. Mm-hmm. You know what's coming up for me, ladies? Like, because I've been in the entertainment industry for so long, like I know of people and I've interviewed people that literally, like, they're so introverted. And yet the minute they get on stage or they become a character or whatever it is, like we have Sasha Fierce, right? Beyonce, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like they, be, they become that superstar. They yep. become that it factor, you know, that, that we teach and talk about really turns on for them. But in business where we're talking, I really feel like congruency it's one of my most favorite words because when someone can see you in person, they can hear you on a podcast, they can watch a video and it's same, same, same. Like there's just a level of realness um, that comes across. And I, you know, I, I'm always telling people, go start your own show. That's amazing. Don't wait for someone to give you one. Don't wait to be discovered. Crown yourself an expert, you know, claim your space and all the things that we've talked about today on this show. It all comes down to who you choose to be. You know, if you need to download your Sasha Fierce 
to press record or get on that stage, then you need to do what you need to do to step into who you need to be to have the impact that you want to have. You know, I think personally, in my experience working with people like Lisa Nichols and uh, Allie Brown and David Nagel, like who you see is who they are. Now, mm -hmm. granted, Lisa Nichols does turn up the fire on stage, but she is who she is. And I think congruency is just really important. And the only way you get there is what we just talked about. It's practicing and getting rid of the veneer. I always tell you, I've worked with people who their coach was like, just smile more. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> no, do not do that. Because I think what's so important, and this is why people feel like it's a show, is that there's no, it's a fancy word here, so go with, there's no state elicitation. You're talking about things that are painful with a smile on your face, yep. or you're talking about something really joyful and you look like, you know, you just lost your best friend. So it's like, you have to be able yourself to be a conduit of energy because whether you're on stage or you're on camera, it is a conduit to emotion, right? Everything that we do is emotionally based. So if you want to make an impact, if you want to have a great presence, you need to feel what it is that you're saying, not just talking about what it is that you're saying. And that is a huge disconnect that I see online and off. I think that is a, a huge, huge, um, really important point in observation because I, I and I want to make sure that you know people are hearing us too. Because we talk about authenticity and we need to be who we are, but there is an element, and I think you nailed it, Carrie, which is about style, right? Yeah. And and there's mm -hmm. an element of style or stylizing um, how you are in certain situations that becomes very important in making sure that you are working towards. Uh, your goals and in, in, in what you want to accomplish in your life. Because as we talk about our personal brands, and I, I take it back to behaviors and actions, your behaviors and actions are manifestations of your characteristics and your appearance. You dial those up and you dial those down based on your audience, which we said was a really critical part of, of understanding and knowing so you can be able to have those relational um, engagements so that you, because you need humans in order to do anything in this world, right? <laughs> and so yeah. it, 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 the, the objective becomes is like, okay, how do I stylize? then how do I like or you know move your behaviors and actions or flex your behaviors and actions so that you can get what you need um, out of the situation but not lose yourself in it but I, I just right. want to make sure everybody realizes like we're not you know saying that you have the permission to, to go out and be crazy you whoever you are in every <laughs> single situation that you're in no I mean there's an element of style and there's an element of understanding your audience and what's going to be effective in being able to translate you to that audience but it is really really critically important to make sure that in doing that you're aware of if you're trying to be somebody that you're not mm -hmm. right and and that and and, and because you have to, because you're right Karen like it's consistency play. And if you can't yeah. feel comfortable feeling like that on an ongoing basis, then you are pushing yourself way too far out and you're not going to be able to come off as being that authentic, credible source. Still need help in growing your marketing smarts? Contact us through our website, forthright-people.com. We can help you become a savvier marketer through coaching or training you and your team or doing the work on your behalf. Please also help us grow the podcast by rating and reviewing on your player of choice and sharing with at least one person. Now, go show off your marketing smarts.